there is a misconception of the level of talent that, that we're, we're looking for within our industry. Look at the technology that the guys and girls are asked to, to look after in their working day. It's tie-spec stuff. And then it's interesting and it's rewarding for people who get into it. Welcome to this week's MTD podcast, How to Become an Industry Leader. I'm Giovanni Albanese, hosting today's show, a passionate engineer and a proud member of the MTD team. I'm really excited today because I'm joined by three friends and industry leaders within the UK engineering sector. We have something in common too. We all did our engineering apprenticeship together at North Warwickshire Engineering College in Anita many years ago. We will be discussing our journey from way back then and learning all about the latest technology that's available now. We will also get their advice on how to succeed within our great industry. If you're just starting out as an apprentice or you're the owner or CEO of a company yourself, stay tuned to this podcast. So let's introduce our guest. Firstly, Kevin Ward, owner and managing director of Brown and Holmes. How are you, Kev? I'm good, thanks. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for thanks for, for joining us today, uh, Kev. It's it's an absolute pleasure. And um, if you've not heard of Brown and Holmes, they supply some of the most bespoke and specialised work holding solutions within our industry, predominantly for leading aerospace companies. Next up, um, the person that's responsible for getting me into engineering sales is the sales director of the engineering technology group, Mr. Steve Brown. How you doing, buddy? Hi, mate. You're right. Yeah, very well. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Great having you on the podcast today, my friend. Now I'm excited. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and last but not least, um, I've known this person nearly all of my life from school, and we did our engineering apprenticeship together also. He's been responsible for some pretty bad hangovers over the years. Richard Turner, General Manager, Akuma Products at NCMT. How's it going, Rich? Hi, Gio. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, my friend. I've got an absolute pleasure um, like for you guys to join us now. I think this is absolutely brilliant. Got loads and loads of questions and, and loads of stuff that we can discuss, discuss. But let's start at the very beginning, you know, where it all started for us all. And this time, Rich, I'm going to start with you. Um, tell our audience why you got into engineering from back then and about your journey um, up to this day. Well, it first started out really when I was at school, in the same school as you were at, um, and it was actually my girlfriend's father at the time. He was working in a small engineering firm, and I was looking for a two-week work placement for um, some uh, work experience. So he took me in. I went and uh, started to learn a little bit about the engineering, you know, the basics, filing, sawing, etc. Um, but during that time, he then said to me he would offer me an apprenticeship. Uh, so obviously GCSEs were around the corner. Uh, so that was it really. So from that point onwards, I literally concentrated on going straight into that apprenticeship with this uh, small engineering firm. And, and Rick, tell us about your journey since college. You know, you've progressed now to general manager at NCMT for the Akuma products. But what did your journey consist of? Um, drinking and lots of other <laughs> things. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, I did this apprenticeship with this small engineering firm called Axis Engineering, which was based in Nuneaton. Um, from that point onwards, as soon as I finished it, though, I did take a small turn. And when I say a small turn, you might think it's a large one, actually. I became a nurse for a year. 
Um, so it's a little bit outside the box, that one. Um, <laughs> doing that, that, it was a great job, don't get me wrong, but I just wanted to do something slightly different. Um, and from there, I then changed again, did a, a small stint at doing some fruit and veg and flour delivery. And then <laughs> after this point, I then thought to myself, you know what? My heart is still in the engineering, so I went straight back to it. And then, you know, I've traveled through various different companies, subcontractors, um, you know, working for people that do subcontract work for aerospace or automotive, uh, even to the point where I moved to Dublin and I worked for Pratt & Whitney Airmotive, so overhauling Pratt & Whitney um, aerospace engines, and then eventually ending up at NCMT for the machine tool industry. So now, you know, looking after a particular product, heading up that department and, you know, helping our company promote the Akuma products. But well, we'll, we'll touch upon all of the products during this podcast that you offer, uh, Rich, and, and, and discuss the solutions that you offer also. Steve, you took a similar path to Rich. Tell our audience about your journey too. Yes, yeah, so when, I, when I finished, I was based in Hinckley, so when I finished college, um, I'd always wanted to get into engineering, but more on a, on a, on a design front. Um, so I can remember North Warwickshire had these open days where you, you go and you have a you have a walk round and and looking back now I know that it was like just a lads day out to to walk around and have a look but I made the mistake of listening to my mum she took me there and I was dressed in a full suit shirt and tie <laughs> walking around with me with with my mum where everybody else were there with in jeans and t-shirts you know laughing at the teachers looking at him and and, and so forth so. If there's a lesson for for anybody when you're going to have these inductions, for God's sake, don't let your mum dress you and don't walk around. <laughs> um, that that sort of like set it out for me. When a, if you can remember down the bottom of the college, as you go down to the slope with the the machine shop all down the down the bottom, and as soon as I walked in there, really, it, 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 that's what turned it for me and wanted me to get involved with physically wanting to get to get onto the machines. You know, it looked quite a a satisfactory uh, trade, isn't it? You know, take a block of metal and turn it into a plumb bob. So, um, yeah, that's that's what set the stall out for myself um, to to get into engine engineering, um, and, and took took a similar path to to Richard. I didn't do any nursing. Um, <laughs> carried carried on all the way through as to to where we are today. Yeah, and, and where are you today, Steve? Can you tell our audience, you know, a, a, a little bit about your role at ETG? Yeah, so where, where, where I'm today is um, we're manifested from, from leaving college. I, I went on to the shop for, for a company called Marrow Engineering Press Tools in, in Coventry. Leap from there into an applications role um, at Harding. Um, and then my, um, my immediate boss now, Martin Doyle, the, the owner of ETG, um, purchased um, Harding the distribution. So that means I. I um, offset and, and jumped into ETG, and from from product development through to product management, it, 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 I manifested and ended up in in, in sales. So um, and things just just grow, doesn't it? You know, it, 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 during these climates, we've we've, we've pulled, pulled all sources together. So I look after the group now in in terms of of, of people. So the role the role has changed in terms of I deal probably similar to Kevin and Richard, deal with more people problems every day than actually getting excited to talk about machines. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we're going to be touching upon your your technology that you've got to offer as well, Steve, and, and about your company and solutions. Um, and, and technology is a big focus of this podcast as well as kind of, of the journey and, and, and how you've got to where you've got now. Kev, you actually was at the college a few years before Rich, Steve and I. Thanks, um, thanks for that. <laughs> Just a few years, Kev. Uh, what, 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 why did you take this path? What inspired you, Kev? I think the inspiration really come from my dad. My dad was in manufacturing and he was an apprentice himself. But I'd really, by the time I got towards 16, I think I was fed up with school life. I, I didn't distinguish myself fantastically at school, other than not academically, sporting-wise was my true love. But uh, there's a few failings on that front. But, yeah, long story short, really, I... Uh, I applied for a number of uh, apprenticeships in the Tamworth area, which there weren't many, but Birmingham was the main, the real cap, capture there. People like Cincinnati Minicron back in them days and GKN down, down the Spices. Probably some of you guys have not even heard of those now. But, uh, yeah, I ended up at Brown and Holmes, basically, at, uh, just before my 17th birthday. Started as an indentured apprentice, um, five-year apprenticeship back in them days. And... Uh, that's where the story began, really. 42 years later, I'm still there. I'm still pretty- well, you're the owner of the company now, Kev, and, 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 and one of the managing directors. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit about, you know, what Brown and Holmes actually offer? I mean, it's, it's quite a wide variety of products, but specifically about the bespoke solutions. Yeah, we're, we're a design and manufacturer outfit. I mean, we operate from Tamworth, two sites now, two 18,000 square foot sites. Um, we've got a dedicated assembly and inspection area for all the equipment that we produce and put together. Um, we're, we're supplying equipment around the world still in these hard, pressurised times. Um, we pride ourselves on our own apprenticeship scheme. We've got uh, five guys um, currently in the early early first two years of their apprenticeships and we've got a couple of guys who are um, towards the end of their apprenticeships. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, Brown and Holmes, we specialise in work holding, manual handling equipment, special purpose machinery. We front a number of products, including robotics, um, indexing tables, um, steady rest, and, and anything that's got synergy with, with, our, with our work holding product. We, we, we can supply a solution, really, Joe. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going to a deep dive into some of the products. I mean, between us now, we have, it's, it's really scary, we have over 100 years' experience in engineering. Um, we, we've seen, all of us, we've seen a lot of change and evolution over the years. For me, for me now, I think it's important to change the perception of engineering for the young students coming into the industry there still seems to be a misconception still that being on the shop floor doing a mechanical engineering apprenticeship is a dead-end job to a certain degree. And a lot of the students I've personally spoken to just want to get straight into design before they know how to manufacture a component. Guys, do you agree? Um, and do you think that apprenticeships are still important nowadays? I know you've just mentioned you've actually got an apprenticeship school, Kev, so that's obviously definitely a yes from you. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's really important, you know. I think if you go back just a, a few years, apprenticeships seem to die off. You know, th- there wasn't that incentive there for the companies to to start putting them through. But, you know, of, of recent, there's there's been a, more of a push now to try and get apprentices on board. 
um, from the government. And, and I think it's really working well. We focused on it now in our company for probably six or seven years now. And we've been pushing them through each and every year. And, and to be honest with you, some of them now, they're, they're fantastic. They've come out of their time. They're now working as a, a true employee. And they are a real benefit. And the, the fact is you can nurture them to become the, the, the perfect employee from the beginning. And that's, that's one of the main benefits of it. They're not bringing traits or, or things that they've got from other companies into your company. They're, they're being nurtured to how you want them to be. So moulding them really, Rich. And, and what do you think about what I said about kind of how important is it that they actually learn still on mechanical equipment, you know, manual equipment? Do you still think that that's important? Oh yeah, definitely, and and that's you know in our industry, in my industry with the machine tool industry, we with it now the technology being so advanced and it's you know it's all CNC, so we don't have the manual equipment in house. So having that that at the college, you know, that gives them that benefit. You know, it gives them the manual lathes, the bench work, um, welding, and it gives them a good grounding um, before they come in house and start to learn the higher technology. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it's extremely important. Um, Steve, what about you, mate? I mean, I, I've actually seen some of your apprentices at ETG with Chloe, for example, Steve. Yeah, it, um, it, it, like, I, I echo what Richard says, really. You know, the biggest thing is obviously moulding them into something that, that fits into your into your own business. So um, we work obviously closely. We supply the, the, machine, the manual machines and everything that's up at income in March is the there's circa 2,000 apprentices a year go through their facility. So um, to see, for someone to um, put, a, put a block of material in a, in a vice and watch it, let it fly out, that, that's where they have to learn, isn't it, you know? Um, so to take, to take that um, experience into a, into a machine tool and certainly from the level of the equipment that ourselves um, and Richard supply, they need to, they need to, know, the, they need to know the basics and, and appreciate um, the engineering aspect so yeah it's um, a big big focus um, for, for us um, it's good. really rewarding to see them grow through the business you know where you where the when they when they join you from leaving the, the college or um, working off-site you know they've got a, a, an idea they don't want to be in um, I don't know in applications in service you know they, 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 they tend to wander in different different directions so Clary's finished up now with it as a as a product manager for a, for a number of products so yeah it's really it's really quite rewarding to see them go through the through the business yeah and and, and uh, I, I echo both of your views there as well and, and kevin can you tell us about your apprenticeship school that you've actually set up on site at brown and homes yeah um we yeah we've, we've always run apprentices but to be honest it depends on uh the year we're in at the time and uh, the caliber of people that there are are out there that we're about that we're able to attract but we've uh, things are a lot better i think than there were well perhaps five ten years previous and, and time before but uh, there's a lot more support there's a lot more people recognizing that uh, our industry needs young talent um and, and we're seeing more of that young talent being directed to the industry certainly locally through the local schools and the colleges good because it wasn't there before but reiterating what rich and steve have just said that i think there, there is a misconception of the level of talent that that we're looking for within our industry because you look at the technology that the guys are, and girls are, are, are asked to to look after in their working day 
it, it's high spec stuff, and 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 it's interesting and it's rewarding for people who get into it. Yeah, again, absolutely, one hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And um, we all started off on on them manual machines, and and for me personally, I think that I wouldn't have been able to progress if I didn't start off on them manual machines. Now, so what, firstly, what was your favourite machines from college, and and secondly, tell us now about some of the technology that you offer and why it's so important. Why? Engineers need to embrace it. Um, I'll start with you this time, Steve. Um, right. So my favourite machine going back to college. I actually can't remember what it was. What it was called, but it was the one. It was like the horizontal arbor. You know, you had to put all this oh, yeah. on and the, the, the face and slot drills and stuff. I used to love, yeah. love working working them, and we had to make some. I can't remember what they were like. Some clamping blocks or something. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, like a step block, a step yeah, block, it, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> they were they were my favourite machines because I always kept on the on the lathe or no good because I kept leaving the vice handle up and they didn't. <laughs> um, plus the, the the mills weren't were closer to the sandwich shop, <laughs> which worked well. Um, so going through, uh, um, obviously, what was your next question? Uh, yeah, so. We, we we obviously started on that that kind of yeah. technology and, and 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 CNC was just coming into kind of coming into play really, yeah, but yeah. obviously things have moved a long way since then and and on all three of you and and at your companies you, you, you're providing now state of the art technology and you know why now more than ever is it is it so important that engineers embrace it and what solutions do you offer Steve? Well, the, the, the big word at the minute is all industry four, isn't it? You know, um, it's all lights out running and, and, and everything else. So the, the, the generation that are coming through now, it, it, everything's app based, isn't it? You know, so if there's not, if you've not got an app on your machine, the guy, the, the guards can't run it. Um, so that that's the that's the level of technology gone into the machines. I mean, I'm going back from when I worked in applications to where they are now. It, it, it's tenfold, you know. If I was to stand in front of a machine now, you don't even get to see the see the code because there's all these user interfaces that are put in front of you. Automation was always a, as, as a bolt-on, um, but it tends to be quite quite standard now. In the same way that you can't seem to live without your phone, you know, business owners can't seem to live without knowing what the machines are doing. So they can they can look at the phones, can't they, and see the machines actually cutting. They get notifications if it's down, if the coolant's not right, the machine's at the wrong temperature. So, the, you know, with solutions that both, well, that all of us are offering um, in in different forms, maybe it, it's gone. It's, it's it's tenfold, isn't it? You know, and I think it's just going to keep accelerating um, to meet what our customers are asking us for. Now, I think you've touched on a really good point as well that I think that we can touch upon a bit later on in this podcast. I believe that COVID has definitely propelled digitalization in Industry 4.0 within our industry, but across a lot of sectors, to be fair. But, Rich, what about you? What, what was your favourite manual machine um, and, and, and what solutions do you offer now? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, we went to college together at the same college. I mean, if you, I don't know if you can remember, but so far through my apprenticeship, I actually changed college. Um, I went, I changed to the Butts Technical College a bit so far down the line. And that was down to my um, employer. He wanted me to have more machine exposure. And the one with the Butts, they also tied it in with Jaguar. So they had their place where they had all the machines. 
And so I used to do a week in Jaguar and then a day release after that into the Butts College. But in there, the machines were a slightly more high tech, but I still really liked the Colchester student. You know, that's the, the, the good old fashioned manual lathe. You couldn't go wrong with it. You know, doing screw cutting on that was always a bit hair raising. Um, but that's, that's the, that was one of my favorite, I think, favorite machines if, if going back, you know. And as you yeah. say, as time progresses and you, you look at what we're, where we are now with the current technology, you know, it's come a long way. In, in, in theory, it's a short time. I know we, we're getting on, but in theory, it's quite a short time for the amount of the, the technology has come on from that point. Um, you know, you look at what the industry's got now, as you say, with Industry 4, you know, I sort of echo what Steve's saying with that as well. It's all app-based things. You know, what, that's what we see this next generation doing. They want things to be easy. And going back to the apprenticeship side of things, one of our apprentices that we put through the system, he's actually now come out the other end and he's employed as a software developer in-house in our place. So he's there now creating apps that we put on our machines. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant, Rita. Can you tell us a bit more about that? That that's what. So the, the apps, it's like basically simplification, isn't it, Richard? Yeah. So um, so he worked in in C in C plus. Um, uh, working in writing in C basically, um, so basically we create our own apps to stick on the machine to help operators out in the field. You know, give them some insights into you know, to make things like loading in the tool offsets and taking them out again, make it a little bit easier. You know, so it's basically pushes of buttons and it saves it against the program name, for instance. So he's there creating these apps, making sure everything works, testing it out on machines. And then it's then sold onto the customer, and they've got you know a bespoke app written for them on their machine. Uh, so I won't mind uh, taking a closer look at that one day, Rich, if that's yeah. okay. Kev, what about what about you, Kev? And 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 can you tell us you know a little bit about the the, the products that you offer too, please? Yeah, uh, with respect to Nuneaton, I, I did most of my machining work at Tamworth College within my MNC, but on the HNC, really, and, and my kids would laugh at this answer, knowing my current IT uh, capabilities. But, yeah, with my age group, we were in the first uh, module that North Warwickshire College offered on IT, which is giving my age away, but it was incredibly interesting and new back then, uh, information technology, and I think back to the old DOS operating systems and early CNCs, which ticker tape machines and whatever, but it was, it was really, really exciting looking back, to be honest, and, and to be involved at that, at that level, because there weren't many other people outside of manufacturing, or, or certainly the course I was doing, um, into computers at that stage, so it, it was, yeah, it was really good. And, and we, we touched upon that you guys, you know, that you, none of you just sell a product, really. You sell a solution. Can you explain um, to our audience, you know, what's the difference? Because, you know, explain what the difference is between, between being a solution provider and a product provider. I don't know who wants to go first on that. Okay. A solution provider, yeah. For us, it's, it's, it's normally getting getting a new requirement, whether it be a component that needs machining, welding, assembling, um, and really giving the, giving the customer optimum uh, production solution to be able to hold the part accurately to repeat 
accurately and, and, and to take away all their problems, basically, from a raw, a raw component to a finished component. And, and we see that through all the way from design concept all the way through supporting the product until it's up and running on the shop floor. Yeah, and, and what obstacles do you all overcome? I mean, Steve and Rich, I mean, from a machine tool perspective, you don't just sell the machine tool. Um, and, and, and obviously, what obstacles do you, do, do you need to overcome? And why is it? Why can it be so difficult sometimes um, to change mindsets and to get people to embrace some of this latest technology? Steve? Um, yeah, well, the, 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 the stumbling blocks that you, to be frank about it, that you come across is not really on the engineering on the engineering side. You know, as, as you already alluded to, um, ourselves and Richard are quite aligned in, the, the, in what we offer is very similar in terms of a turnkey package. Um, so the stumbling blocks are, are, are more so based around um, what the customer wants out of it. You know, the challenging ones is where they you, you know you physically look at a part and that's going to take a minute uh, and then he says well actually i'll need it in 30 seconds so it's the engineering side that, that comes into it because um when the spindle is turning that's when the customer is earning money and obviously he wants that part in and out of his machine um accurately and as, as quick as possible because that's when he's going to earn, earn, earn more money so the likes of our business and challenges is that's what we see on the on on the engineering side, which goes all the way back to what we're talking about today, really, is is the need for these engineers to to come through, um, so we can carry on um, providing that solution going down the line. It never really stops at a, a turnkey. It's not based on value. It, it's based on what you give in to the to the customer. You know, you can have a fifty grand turnkey. You can have a five million pound. Um, the, 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 the word turnkey yet yeah, comes from you're offering a, 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 full, a full solution yeah and I, I couldn't agree with you more really Steve I think that basically if the return of investment there the actual price of the turnkey doesn't matter does it no you know that, that, and that's what um, when you get into the crooks of it the, the, the owner the owner buyers in these larger OEMs then they're, they're looking at the cost of part they want to know how much is it going to cost me um, to make that one one part um, and that's that's all they're they're interested in, um, which all all stems back to price. Rarely, well, it does obviously come into it, particularly how things are at, at the minute. But it is the it is the engineering side and getting that confidence into the customer that it is it, doing it today and it will do it tomorrow. Rich, would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And going back to your comment, um, you know, about trying to change the mindset. Um, I think that's you know that's, that's quite a big one. Sometimes we've got you know there's people out there they've they've got stuck in their ways, you know where they see a part and they think well actually that's you know I do that part of it on the lathe and this part on the mill, you know and you're convincing them that potentially that mill turn could be the solution, but it's just it's it's complicated sometimes for the for the people that have been there and they're stuck in their ways, but. Once you start getting down to it and showing them how easy it is, they then understand. But it's just overcoming that hurdle. You know, you mentioned the hurdle. And that's the, you know, sometimes that is the battle. But, you know, everything else, you know, Steve said, really, that's a, I, I agree with this. It's, we are in the same sort of industry. And, and turnkey solutions are a big thing at the minute. And one of the one of the real big things since this coronavirus has kicked in now is, is accelerated, um, accelerated the 
um, or the need for automation. You know, that's a, that's a big thing at the minute. Yeah. Right, and that's that's another really good point. And, and and Kev, I know you offer automated solutions also at, at Brown and Holmes. All three companies do actually. And, and I mean, COVID has propelled and accelerated digitalization, automation, industry four point zero part digitalization. So it's 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 accelerated some of these new emerging technologies that maybe were not coming to the forefront as fast as they should have been. Maybe, um, you know. From an engineering perspective, guys, you know, we've mentioned digitalization and automation, and I think that people have started to finally see the value in both. But where do you see now the landscape of engineering in, in, in the future, in, in, in the years to come, uh, Kev? Uh, certainly automation is going to be a massive driver of that. I mean, keeping up with the technology for us all is difficult at most times. But, yeah, it's got to be driven, to be honest. But uh, as you quite rightly said, COVID is, uh, is, is, is exposing various weaknesses in traditional methods of manufacture. And I think it will just help drive the automation uh, requirements of, of, of our customers. Yeah. Uh, Rich? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I think this automation thing, as I said a moment ago, that is a big driving factor at the minute. We see a lot of companies now, you know, even people that wouldn't have, you wouldn't have placed them with it, to be honest. But they're now sort of seeing this and they're saying, actually, you know what, we've got to start pushing this through, um, you know, trying to keep social distancing down, trying to minimise the man being there constantly, um, but also keeping production rates going. You know, that's that's the main key is keeping that production rate going. If you know, it's that it's that benefit of it's continuous, it keeps on going. That's the that's the big benefits, and that's where we see the production in it now. Yeah, uh, Rich, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Really, I think in this day and age now, I, I think that you know automation shouldn't be looked upon as a separate part of the engineering process. I think for any future investments they should be looking at automation as part of that process and what automation are they going to be putting onto that machine tool or that process and i think the same with metrology as well to be honest steve what what kind of solution do you offer at etg what in terms of automation yes yeah yeah well it, it, it depends on 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 the product you know there's there's there's, there's a variation of simple pick and place um robots with we've got the automation building it built into the machine so it, it really depends upon the customer's need you can take a nakamura and it's just got a simple in feed out feed conveyor with, with some grippers or you, we've got a project going on at the minute that um we've got a robot dancing around in the middle we've got cmm washing station deburring um changing work holding and all sorts so there's the the the, the, the the comments around automation are quite varied and, and, and it's quite an open open subject. But I think we'll all agree that from what packages that we've all delivered in terms of automation, you'll never get from a feedback of, oh, I wish I wish I hadn't bought that or, or whatever. It's, all, it's always, you, you get an automation solution into a customer and it's a, it's a no-brainer for them. You know, they're, 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 coming, they're coming back for, for, for more. Um, so it, it, it is. It is definitely the way forward, and I agree with Richard. It, the, the mindset at the minute is just getting um, customers to, to, to see that. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest biggest stumbling block is getting getting people to move into it. And once they're into it, it 
they just tend to go tenfold then. Yeah, never never look back. And and, and guys like you, ETG, NCMT, Brown and Holmes, you're all kind of heavily invested and geared up for automation now. I keep saying it all the time and we do at MTD. But I strongly believe that education is the key to breaking down all these barriers to entry because I still think that there's some engineers out there, like you mentioned, Rich, that, that, that they're scared to change their ways. And they're scared to embrace new technology because they don't understand it. And the only way they really understand it is if they know how it works. And the only way they'll know how it works, they get educated on that product. And I think that things like this, and hopefully we can do more videos about what we've discussed today, guys, um, later today. I can't believe that we're running out of time on this particular podcast. But um, just to finish off and and to, to, to summarise, really, guys, you know, you, you've all done really well in the industry and you've you've all kind of got to a, a really high level within our industry. What advice would you give to our listeners, whether they're an apprentice looking to get into the industry or, or a, an owner of a company? What advice can you leave, leave them with at the end of this podcast, uh, Rich? Yeah, well, I think really it's what they've got to see is it's an exciting time in engineering. You know, it's it's moving fast. Things are expanding rapidly and changing rapidly and this new era of engineering now is heavily into technology and i think you know people coming into the industry like an apprentice they will they will thoroughly enjoy it you know and likewise people that are already in a business or own a business they've got to move with these times as well and progress you know as we go back to industry four automation all these sort of comments we've been making People have got to be not afraid of it. You know, that's this is what we've got to do. We've got to embrace it and, and enjoy it because it is a fantastic and educational um, uh, bit of the industry, really. Yeah, we never stop learning. And, and please, let's 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 continue this kind of group, kind of roadshow, if you like. Kev, what would be your advice? Going forward, yeah, anybody certainly setting out on life in, in engineering is basically, obviously, Strive, strive to get to the highest level and, and, and accumulate as much knowledge as you can and experience. But one thing that we must be sure is people don't forget the basics, the basics of engineering, going back to apprenticeships as regards, you know, un- understanding what you're working with and, 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 and just, yeah, there's fundamentals which need as a, as a building block to take on the technology and use it correctly. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Kev. Um, and 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 Steve, um, I was on the shop floor, and and it. Was, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you know you, you make your own looking away, but you helped me get into sales um, because you know from 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 bloody hell about fifteen years ago now, Steve. It's gone quickly. But what what advice uh, would you give? What it, it really is is just yeah. It, I echo what Kevin and Richard says, but yeah, just. It, Start well. First thing is, don't go to college with your mum dressed in a suit. <laughs> yeah, just the world's your oyster. Really, um, is, is don't don't think you can't can't achieve anything, um, and and just keep aiming for for what you want to what you want to go for. Because where where you start off and thinking that you want to end up as a designer, a sales guy, an apps guy, a service, I, I guarantee as you go go through the through the ropes that um, you you won't finish off doing what you what you started out to um i would never thought i always said to myself i wouldn't end up in sales and and, and, I, and I have done you know i don't think you can you can plan it out just take take each opportunity as it comes and just give it 100 percent. 
Yeah, I couldn't again, Steve, Richard, Kev. I can't agree with you more. I think this industry is absolutely full of so much opportunity. It's at the forefront of all technology, and, and I would advise and, and recommend to any student to, to give it a go. Um, guys, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the MTD podcast. Thanks for our audience for listening to this week's MTD podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed it and it's been insightful for you. I think we definitely 100% need a continuation of this particular podcast and even maybe some videos to come. Um, A massive thanks to our three special guests, Kevin Ward, Steve Brown and Richard Turner. Um, Until next week, the MTD podcast. Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.